0: Hello and welcome back to. They made another one where each week we discuss an off-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me I've got Liam.
1: David, time
2: to take your bath.
1: And Mitch, with all due respect, sir,
0: rockets are my life. I had one that I wanted to use and I lost
2: it and I'm really upset. I was going to oh. do Mitch's and then I changed at the last minute. I got Not one. Too good of a line. You love to hear it. It's his purpose in life to know all the
0: facts about the ladies. (laughs) Nice.
1: Nice that all of our picks are from earlier in the movie. I wonder if there's any significance to
2: that. I don't speak dog. That's why. Because there's a lot of dog. Hmm. I I don't like James Earl Jones.
0: No, I've always had a deep deep-seated hatred for for Darth Vader and also the bad guy from Conan the Barbarian and he plays (laughs) both those motherfuckers. He's got some weird lines like, you
1: guys gotta play baseball in my backyard once a week. Come knock on my door.
0: What's up? So, we're talking about arguably top three most cinematic sports. What's the first two?
2: The Uh,
0: other two, I should say. I think boxing. Yep. I've dug myself a hole here. I think it's boxing, baseball, for sure.
2: And then, I don't know, like Mike, specifically. Just that form of basketball. Yeah. Only when someone is possessed by the soul of Michael Jordan is it Well, is that or
0: Air Bud. I'll take either.
2: And then, golf.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that.
1: No, I don't agree with it either.
0: Don't lie to me. Don't come into my podcast and lie. Our podcast. I don't Rowing. know what to say. Rowing? Say football. Throwing a football? Uh, no, football movies
2: are pretty cinematic. Like Rudy. Remember the Titans?
0: Yeah, classic.
2: I think if we if you expand the scope to include wrestling, wrestling has got to be there. Wrestling's like a, a very like cinematic. The, sport. the wrestler with a uh, Mickey Rourke. Yeah, but you know, maybe that's not a sport. Maybe it doesn't count. I it's need you sport. to make
1: a wrestling picture with that button. Think feeling.
0: Feeling. Um. Yeah, so we're talking about baseball, but we're also talking about the most uh, cinematic form of science, which is space travel. I've always thought it was anatomy. Gross. Gross. (laughs) Yuck. (laughs) Uh, We're talking about the Sandlot, too. Um, Or if you go by IDM. Or if you go by IMDB's dumb bullshit the sandlot kids too that's not what the movie's called they keep doing this they keep putting a title they've made up and then run right under that and really small text they're just putting original title the sandlot too
2: yeah nobody um, changed
0: it if you go so to disney many, plus it doesn't say anything different
2: so many australian listeners are mad at you right now What
0: what is that what they called it down there
2: yeah i think I they don't think even was have Australia. baseball <laughs> yeah, so they needed help as to what the Sandlot might be. Uh, they call need. it uh,
1: the Sand Diamond or something. I was going to attempt, Dazi, but I'm not going to. Abby Dove. does a much better Australian accent than I. She really does.
2: Yeah.
1: Can we get her in just to say this? Uh, I'm afraid she's not around. She's we'll uh, she's gone home. So she we'll- she'll be back in like a week. So maybe next week we can get her to come back for, a, an just, for accent. Accent. Yeah, just for an accent, just for an accent.
0: Yeah. Great. Perfect. Um. So we're talking about the Sandlot too. Uh. Baseball's favorite film about itself. Um, this was, this was a Liam pick and Ugh. I'm going to ask you, hey, Mitch, relax. Okay. It's been four minutes. It's, I'm going to need you to, I'm going to need you to inhale,
2: exhale real quick. Liam, why did you pick the Sandlot 2? Mostly because I was still pissed off at Mitch for making a sit-through Inspector Gadget 2, Agent Cody Banks 2, The Mouseketeers 3. Um, You're just I just putting numbers <laughs> on movies that didn't
0: even have numbers, bro.
2: No, I I picked this movie because uh, The Sandlot is is one of my favorite movies ever, and I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. Give the franchise its due. Maybe not entirely. We don't need to finish it off, but but it is a franchise, and so um, a lot of times I just I view this podcast as sort of a a backdoor way where if you know if we can't talk about the the most interesting movie in a franchise outwardly we can we can just kind of sneak it in there um so the sandlot is really special to me i've seen the sandlot 2 many times um it's a summertime movie and i just uh wanted to to throw it in there it's a forgotten sequel um, we've been surprised by direct-to-video kids movies before, even once about baseball. This has worked out for us in the past. Yeah. With Air Airbud Seventh Inning Fetch, and so it, it just felt like a it felt like a, a box that I needed to check. If we're going to be doing this podcast for the rest of our lives, at some point it had to happen. So, okay, yeah, That's why all. not now?
0: Um, so before I get too into the Sandlot original, I'll just I'll ask Mitch, have you seen the Sandlot one? I have. Many years
1: ago. I have not seen it since I was like a kid and I don't really remember it other than the fact that I'm pretty sure I liked it. I probably watched it maybe more than once actually on TV, like in bits and pieces. Um, I know it holds like a very, uh, special place in a lot of people's hearts. I know a lot of people really, really love the Sandlot and talk and reference it often. There were like several Sandlot references at work like the other week, but, uh, for me it's not a like a franchise that i'm really attached to
0: yeah i have no memory of seeing the sandlot that doesn't necessarily mean that i haven't but um despite being somebody who like is prepared to call himself a baseball fan uh i i got nothing here so if it's if it's a long time love for liam what's going on with the sandlot one then it does seem like a very liam movie it's got the coming of age angle it's got the the school's out for summer angle it's got a lot going on i know you like school movies but you also like not school movies i've learned this (laughs) yeah i'm
2: not picky this is Um, the stand by me of baseball (laughs) well i love stand by me as well you totally uh and i don't know which one i saw first so i guess it's possible that sandlot was uh was my doorway into these types of movies. Now that I think about it, I definitely saw Sandlot before Stand By Me. Sandlot was a movie that my family just happened to have on VHS tape. And so it had to have been one of my first movies. Like it was out before I was born. So who knows when I first saw it. And it might be, to be honest with you, the movie I've seen the most in my life. Um, In your life? In my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. i I would watch The Sandlot so much, and then it never just got relegated to my childhood. Like I loved it so much that I would have friends over who uh, we we also like who I learned grew up watching The Sandlot as well. And so I would be like, "Hey, come over, and I'll whip out the VHS player. We'll watch The Sandlot again." So I, I've seen The Sandlot and The Sandlot too uh, within the last few years because I had a, a Sandlot viewing party with some friends. Um, I just wore out the tape. I, I loved it. It had to have been my first baseball movie as well, and it ignited my love for coming-of-age movies much more than baseball movies. I still love a good sports movie, and I like baseball movies in particular. But what this movie uh, really did that connected with me, even when I was a kid, when I was much younger than the kids in this movie, it romanticizes childhood In a way that is, it's, it's slightly a bit more fantastical than childhood is while you're living it. But once you're out of childhood, you realize that movies like this are... At speaking to something very true. And um, Stand By Me does a similar thing. Christmas Story as well, where it has this narration from an older point of view, talking about what it's like um, to have a very specific group of friends when you're 12 years old, who you might not see again. Um, And while it revolves around baseball, it it could really be anything that's making these kids gather together. So I I saw myself in the movie, um, even though I was like, once I got into skateboarding around the time of being 12, I was like, this is like my, my sandlot. Like me and my friends would go to the skate park every day in the summer for 12 hours a day. Um, For no real purpose. You you just skateboard and then the day ends and you hang out at night. You get up to different things throughout the summer Um, Uh, You meet different people as they visit on vacation or maybe they move into your neighborhood. You get to know them for a few months or for a few summers and then they're gone. Um, And I just think it's a really great thing to center a movie around like the sandlot doesn't have a big game at the end um so it's it's not really about baseball even though it's the it's that's the thing that these kids gather around um and so it is just this beautifully nostalgic movie Um, and I don't mean just nostalgic for me I mean like the movie is is really rooted in nostalgia even right when it came out because it takes place in the early 60s Um, and so it must have been that for the filmmaker and it is just this kind of a ethereal magic movie where um, it just feels like everything Came together at at a certain time, and and if you look up the Sandlot, you won't have to look far to find people talking about this movie in uh in a grandiose way. And I think there's something to that. There's the movie just has some some something beautiful to say about childhood and growing up. And uh, I think it's just so rewatchable. As a kid, I looked up to these kids, and then. Um, as an adult, I, I look back at the past and I, I, I see it in a different way as well. So it's just uh, it's a really timeless movie and uh, 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10 movie. It would be really funny if you got
0: all the way through the explanation. You're like, yeah, it's like a seven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I got to be real. No, that's awesome. I love how every once in a while we'll get to something on the show finally. And then you're just like, yeah, this was like a foundational building block of my entire being as a child. And I'm just like, damn. There's another one here we are but no that's like a jokes aside just a genuinely like very kind of like touching description and that's generally what i've heard about the movie too is just like a very if this movie is anything to go by it's like an almost a mythical relationship to childhood in like how it feels when
2: you're a kid versus looking back at it but everything just has that like weight to it Definitely. Yeah. And the, the, the movie has that baked right into it. It's a really it's a really cool movie. It's uh, it like sparked these feelings in a in a in a generation of kids. Um, so it works as both just an entertaining kids movie. And then it is also laced with this uh, this sort of nostalgia crack. That's just incredible. Just makes me want to keep coming back for more hits.
0: Yeah, that's really cool.
2: And then they made a sequel. I remember this day well. You do? Yeah, yeah, because by the time this movie came out, I was deep into The Sandlot. I mean, I was—I maybe I had even technically grown out of watching Live- The Sandlot. Lived on The Sandlot. <laughs> because by 2005, you know, I guess I was using the internet a bit more. DVDs were more of a thing. And so at that point, I had already seen The Sandlot so many times. And uh, I picked up The Sandlot 2 right when it came out it actually came out on vhs somehow it had to be it had to have been one of the last movies i ever got that was on vhs tape in 2005 but
0: yeah it's a late vhs tape
2: yeah i think that one and the spongebob movie which was 2004 are the latest ones i can think of that were in my collection but i think i read that the actual last vhs tape was something like uh later much later in the in the 2000s let me see if i can hit it quick
0: did it come with like a novelty vhs tape where it had like fake seams on it and it was like (laughs) like a baseball
2: yeah no no that that doesn't count anymore um it says here the last film to be released on vhs was not long after the sandlot 2 actually it was 2006 a movie called a history of violence that's the one that came movie. out on vhs that's what Cronenberg. right right yeah i knew it was a big director yeah that's that's the one
0: man that's it. bizarre that that was the last vhs tape
2: yeah and then you know since then we've had novelty tapes and stuff but that's the last uh on yeah, ironic WNHF VHS tape Halloween special. That
1: era was so great. Like once the VHS started to sort of phase out, like you could get so many VHS movies for like absolutely nothing. And the, they still weren't like, I guess, as obsolete as they are today. Like physical media, I mean, was still more of a thing. I, I got a lot of like VHS movies in the bargain bin, like around that time, 2006 or so.
0: Yeah, that's a real Gator Bait 2 Trojan Justice. What is it? Cajun Justice? I don't know why it's yes. a Trojan. No, you but... got Trojan Justice. <laughs> it's set in Rome. That's um, a very different Trojans movie, but maybe great. not as different as you would think. Whatever, man. I'm trying, okay? I'm doing my best. This is all I have, dude. Um, Except for the cast and crew notes. How's
2: that for a segue? This is what you pay for, people. If you wanted to pay, us credit, you could. I'm not profiting. It, oh, we, we have a TMao Patreon, but you're not on it, Mitch, because Ma- of the sometimes thing that's on the art. We figured. Right. We figured you weren't. What was that?
1: What was that in the contract? The large print give it, the small print take it away.
2: Well, that's the that's the
0: trick. We didn't make you sign anything, so we can just kind of do whatever we want. <laughs> huh? It's like you're squatting in the podcast.
1: So, sorry, I'm just gonna turn off my mic for a minute I have to just call my lawyer.
0: Oh, okay, good. Uh, Is your lawyer also just Abigail Doing an accent
1: (laughs) No uh, sorry One sec he's telling me not to say anything
0: Oh we're not the police Liam are we the police
2: Uh, If we were We certainly wouldn't admit to it on air
0: Right But if somebody asks We do legally have to tell them if we are or not
1: Keep talking boys I'm on speakerphone
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh no oh fuck We've been sandlotted. That's what that's what this is called. When you like get set up for a lawyer speakerphone sabotage. We've been sandlot kitted. Sandlot kitted, boys. Um oh hell yeah, brother. Did the lawyer tell you to fucking crack one open, dude?
1: No, that's me, because I'm gonna need one for the rest of this discussion. <laughs> yeah.
0: So while you're doing that, let's talk about David Mickey Evans. You might know him from a little movie called He Directed the Sandlot.
2: <laughs> that's the documentary about David <laughs> Mickey Evans.
0: <laughs> it's a new book that just came out called I Directed the Sandlot. And then the the subtitle is and also Ace Ventura Pet Detective Junior.
2: Yeah, that would be like one page at the end of the book. I'm I'm certain if this dude did have a book, it would be called that. And that's where the <laughs> emphasis would be placed. I can't blame hey. him.
0: It's his big thing. He wrote this movie, too, and the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also directed Beethoven's third and fourth, so dude loves a dog movie. Uh, also a movie called My Teacher, My Friend 2, which is a very
2: bizarre name oh, I don't know if I like me. that. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and
0: also Barely Legal, which seems like one of those American huh? Pie riffs after that movie came out.
2: Oh, yeah, it must be. Sounds yeah, like yeah, Trouble. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Robert Gunter also has (laughs) what?
2: Huh? Just barely legal. Sounds like trouble. Mitch says.
0: (laughs) That's what his lawyer told him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Robert Gunter has a character's credit because he worked on Sandlot One. Um, the movie is edited by Harry Karamitis. He's got some bangers.
2: That's quite uh, including a movie called Zoltan, Hound of Dracula. (laughs) Whoa damn Which is sounds- it zoltan is like the the figure from uh dude where's my car right they all he's say also, zoltan uh, he's also the war the uh
1: like the dwarf in uh in the witcher franchise i don't know if you guys have.
0: and he's the hound of dracula wow sick movie title it's got an ellipses in the title zoltan dot 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 hound of dracula Oh, nice. It's one of those 70s, like, I think it's probably when, like, those Hammer movies were popping, and it's like, we can just, everybody's doing a Dracula now. I think it's probably one of those.
1: All right. Hounds of the Baskervilles, Dracula combined. Is that what it but, is? No, I'm just making oh. that up. But You're that would saying. be a dope movie. I would watch that. I watched Hounds of the Baskervilles at like the 30 one with Basil Rasbone, the 30s one with Basil Rasbone. when I was in a cold sweat recovering <laughs> from... uh like a covid vaccine that like completely completely did me in and i was like delirious watching it it was such a bizarre experience i don't remember anything though yeah it was a weird movie to be watching just sherlock holmes solving a crime and me like
0: having a body crime take place yeah um we've got uh he also edited back to the future one and three wow yeah, I don't that know who massive. edited it too, but I guess he was busy. Um, he also, I didn't know this movie existed, "Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman" from nineteen ninety three. That's TMAO territory. It's gotta be, yeah, absolutely. Um, also, Beethoven's Third, the original Judge Dredd and uh, that dastardly, barely
2: legal. Wow, cinematography. So I'm sorry, well, so, hmm? so I'm the, going too is, fast. So this is the guy. This guy did edited Sandlot 2? Yes. And Back to the Future?
0: Yeah. Wow. Look, Paycheck's a paycheck. He's not going to be picky, right? He's like, I'm not going to sit on my high horse because I edited Back to the Future 3 and that's what the horses are in and then look down upon Sandlot 2. Maybe he loves
2: baseball. I wonder if he tried to put those wipe transitions in Back to the Future and Robert Zemeckis had to rein him in uh yeah back to the future 3 originally had 14
0: star wipes <laughs> and they had to
2: secretly remove all of them
0: cinematography is by david Pelicier. uh i picked two movies that have very funny names that's all uh, because there's the tooth fairy and it's like whatever we all know what that is but then he he shot a movie called ski school 2 in a movie called Snow Motion, The Art of Sledding. That sounds kind of like your scooter movie. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I would watch Ski School too. I used to be a ski
2: instructor, so that would be a great vibe. You don't Dang. need to school then, though. Mitch, are you great at skiing? Yeah. Wow, do you go like <laughs> downhill or are you cross country?
1: Yeah, downhill and cross country. Oh, dude, I want to see you hit a jump. I'm not so much of a trick guy I'm more of like a like a slalom and, and kind of race but I do I do have twin tip skis but I I not very good I I can't do rails I can do boxes or I could I haven't attempted one in years
0: I've never um, skied and done cocaine but I am good at skiing <laughs> what rails
1: oh mm. can't do rails
0: keep up come on. <laughs> How yeah. long did you teach skiing?
1: I was a ski instructor for three years. It was my first job. Um, so I started when I was like, I don't know, like 16, maybe. Oh, prodigy. 16 or maybe even younger than that. Um So I was a teacher's assistant first, and it was a nightmare. Like it was a like a quite a time. You would have like twenty screaming kids, like and it would be like minus thirty, and they'd all be like falling over on different points in the hill. So you'd have to like walk and pick them up. Or sometimes like a kid would have like a really big wipeout, and he'd be sitting motionless at the bottom of the hill for a little bit. Just then like go down and get suffering. him. Suffering, he he would be like totally fine because you know kids always bounce back. But or like I taught like a uh, <laughs> kids can't die a, a seventy eight <laughs> year old woman how to ski once, which was like good Mild. for her. Wow, um, or people would, she could like, definitely like, die. So if yeah, you pulled that or, off, that's amazing. Or sometimes like your clients like don't really speak much English or like you can't really communicate, so you have to like so you got to <laughs>
2: teach skiing through feel
1: through, through like yeah through like gesturing, I guess. Just like uh,
2: yeah. I don't know what I was gonna say. Just like what but I, yeah, like, it was an interesting job. That's cool. Interesting. So I'm now I wanna I wanna hear once we get into Sandlot 2, if perhaps uh your ski adventures allowed you to relate to the Sandlot 2. Well I used and to play sandlot kids. I used to play Damn. baseball. Yeah. This is gonna be a great discussion.
0: I was I convinced That I knew the composer for this movie from a different episode of the show, but I could not find the movie that would have been the connection. I don't know why the credits all felt so familiar. I was convinced we've talked about her before, but uh, her name is Laura Carpman. Uh, she did music for Kung Fu Panda Two, Ace Ventura: Pet Detective Junior, Lovecraft Country, EverQuest Two, the video game, uh, Miss Marvel and the Marvels, and a Marvel What If show. And all of that felt very familiar, but I can't find the connection.
2: I can't help you, my friend.
0: Yeah, I struggled. Um, Fun fact about the cast, if you go to IMDb and Wikipedia for Sandlot 2 and you pull each of them up, there is a discrepancy. Uh, The Wikipedia has one of the character names misassigned. Um, It has the first two boys on the list, David and Johnny. Their character
2: names are swapped. Uh, That's just weird. a weird thing that's a huge miss because they're they're not easy to mix up they're distinct they're distinct boys
0: um and the first one is max lloyd jones who plays david durango which is the funniest name anybody's ever had uh his his list of credits is fucking crazy um flicka three which i believe is a horse movie um teen wolf the tv show uh he plays Jason Priestley in something called The Unauthorized Beverly Hills 90210 story. He was in Adventures in Babysitting for 2016 and he was on the Scream TV show. Okay. Just a weird series of connections and the Boba Fett show. He was on that. Um and then we have James Wilson playing Johnny Smalls who sounds like a gangster uh liam <sighs> Johnny smalls Johnny smalls uh liam this one's for you uh he was oh, in
2: trick-or-treat Tr- wh- really yeah huh i like Trick does or it treat. say that's, does it say who we played
0: i can pull it up for you absolutely
2: i wonder if he's a background character
0: well don't worry this is not the first time trick-or-treat is gonna no, come No, i know because i i know that <laughs> the
2: mac is in trick-or-treat that's why i'm surprised I may have gotten uh, my wires crossed.
0: Wikipedia has the character names right. IMDb does not. Mm. He plays Alex in Trick
2: or Treat. Okay, yeah, that means nothing to me. I don't know. Yeah,
0: interesting. Um, So we've got him down. Then we've got Samantha Burton playing Haley. This is her only credit. That's also not the first time that's going to happen. Or the last time.
2: Okay, That's, that's very cool. Brett Kelly plays
0: Mac. He's in Trick or Treat. Yes, um,
2: significant part of Trick or Treat. That one, yeah. he he's he's unmistakable.
0: He's also in a couple other sports movies, uh, like Mike 2, Streetball, and Slapshot 3, The Junior League. <laughs> nice. We've got Cole Evan Weiss as Saul. We've got Neilan Bonvenu as Tarkel. We've got Sean Birdie as Fingers. He was on a Netflix show called The Society. Which I wasn't familiar with. Um Jessica King plays Penny. She was on a show called Merlin's Apprentice. And bafflingly, a different unauthorized history of a different TV show than the one that Max Lloyd Jones was on. Uh, she was on Behind the Camera, the Unauthorized Story of Different Strokes.
2: Wow. Just an right? industry just unauthorized all over the board it's so
0: weird. why were those why were so many of those being made
2: no one would authorize them
0: what you, who can't what, they just don't do it well Story if we has all we to be told if we all waited for authorization where would we be as a society people are saying this um then we've got Mackenzie Fremantle and griffin riley evans it's their only credits as well griffin riley evans is the retriever by the way relevant to our interests
2: uh, okay in this particular I, podcast call. i would love to know what that guy's up to now
0: uh i thought that facially he reminded me of one of the dudes on stranger things right now but because i haven't watched the new seasons i don't know his name all right <laughs> just yeah, and it the must facial not be features him, eh? are there yeah no i guess not or he changed his whole identity um that Reece sounds Ta- like something mm-hmm. the
2: retriever would do
0: it does you're right he retrieved a new identity <laughs> Uh, Reese Thompson plays Singleton. Uh, they were in Perks of Being a Wallflower, Final Girl, Powerpuff Girls Z, um, Mobile Suit Gundam Seed Special Edition, The Sattered World, Super Babies, Baby Geniuses 2, and Liam. Yeah. They were in fucking Inuyasha, baby. <laughs> wow. Did you play Inuyasha? <laughs> this is not the first time. I keep saying that wrong. This is not the last time Inuyasha will come up. Wow. Uh yeah, insane. Uh, Terrell Rothery, uh, is Mrs. Goodfarer, which is Haley's mom. She's in Diary of a wimpy Kid 2 Roderick rules. Wow, didn't recognize and her. Also, Flicka Three, the horse movie with the other kid, <laughs> and fucking Inuyasha again, dude.
2: <laughs> Did she play Inuyasha?
0: Uh, I think they all do.
2: Wow, right. They must. I mean, who else is in that show? No, I mean, that's kind of all you got. And then another familiar
0: face, Greg German. or German, maybe, probably. Yes. As the dad, Child's Play 2. I recognize him. And famously, Atlas Shrugged Part 3. Oh, wow. Oh, dear. (laughs) Maybe we can get him on that episode. Uh, And then we've got James Earl Jones, who really doesn't need an introduction. Uh, But we've got Steve Garvey as Little League coach. He's an ice
2: cream man. He was on Baywatch. He's in the movie Ice Cream Man? Yeah. Oh, that's a good movie. I dig that.
0: And he was in Bloodfist 6 Ground Zero. Bloodfist is a series of movies that came up on MK Podquest where we were just baffled at how
2: many fucking movies there are. Wow, we've got to do a blood fest. Bloodfist. Bloodfist. Yeah, like blood punch. Dang. Um I'm glad it means punch. <laughs> blood shake. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Liam,
0: I don't always do this, but you want to you want to do me a favor? Yeah. What's the plot of the Sandlot Two?
2: Well, the plot of the Sandlot Two is that there's this fourth grade boy who stumbles upon a sandlot, which is like a, a outdoor public baseball diamond. And he shoots uh, he loves rockets and he shoots a neighbor's rocket into the sky. This neighbor works at NASA. They gotta get the rocket back because it's, uh, it's uh, it, it might be the most um, monumental piece of engineering in all of mankind. So they got to get it back. It landed in a backyard guarded by a big, vicious dog who uh, is reported to have killed a child many years ago. And while this is happening, uh, these kids want to play baseball. There's a girl who moved in next door. She also wants to play baseball with her friends. They don't want to play with this girl, but they all end up hanging out anyway. Uh, There's a deaf boy who kisses um, an adult woman woman (laughs) at a kissing booth. Um... There's a, this retriever guy who wants to help them get the rocket. The there's like sort of espionage. <laughs> yeah, there's uh oh there's also this other more professional baseball team that might want to take over the sandlot and so the kids got to be on the lookout from that. So these kids are just dealing with a lot this summer. Uh, they just want to play baseball and uh, there's a, there's a whole lot going on. So that's kind of that's that's a plot it's kind of it's kind of a meandering plot like that rocket thing doesn't happen until i don't know half an hour 40 minutes into the movie so right it's it's deceptively, do? i
0: don't want to say complicated but it's like deceptively got a lot going on for a movie that is ostensibly about at least a little bit baseball mostly childhood um it's like it is very meandering for sure um and they get, like, some fireworks, and they swim in a pool. Just, ki- you know, classic kid stuff, you know? Famously, an adult has never swam in a pool. Swimming in pools, classic kid stuff. Yeah,
2: kids do that. <laughs> kids love water.
1: Oh, you I per- got water on my nose.
2: Just plug your nose. You guys plug your nose when you jump into pools? No. No. I'm not a bitch. <laughs> I'm not a fucking coward.
0: <laughs> I'm not a. I'm not a child. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. I don't know how to segue into this very well. Can you tell that my brain is like half operational today? Is it coming through? Does it make the podcast better it if my brain like doesn't
2: work? You got hit in the head by a foul ball. Foul that's ball. What
0: they, you got to keep your head in a fucking swivel. That's why they put it at the sign on the Rogers Center. That's what it says. It says, keep your head in a fucking swivel. <laughs> um, I'll tell a quick baseball anecdote before I ask dead. about the movie, um, because it's, it's sort of related. Uh, when I was a kid, the first baseball game I ever went to, like professional baseball game, was the Blue Jays playing the Yankees. And um, we were sitting along the first baseline in like the 100 section, a little far back, but like pretty close. Like it was pretty, pretty primo stuff. And uh I was there with my dad and a ball got hit our way and uh I had a glove, but like obviously I lacked the height at the time to really get in contention to catch the ball. <laughs> but um my dad barehand caught that fucking thing. Whoo! And then put it in my glove, and then everybody around us thought that I caught it and were treating me like an absolute hero. <laughs> and it was
2: incredible. Wow.
0: Yeah, was naturally, that naturally we did on, not like on Does this
2: footage <laughs> exist?
0: I don't think I don't think there's footage, but there's my memory of it. But like people were like giving me like high fives and like hooting and hollering and like just absolutely gassed that this like 6-year-old child just like caught a ball, but in actuality it was just like my dad's quick hands
2: pretty intensely
0: caught it barehanded that's
2: it's that's so yeah yeah i'm yeah. thinking your poor dad you, you didn't get any props for that amazing feed of athleticism <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> shit thanks dad a wicked catch
0: uh when i was a kid we would i never played like competitive baseball but i was we would play catch in the yard and we had enough of a yard when i was younger that i got like quite talented at fielding at least for a kid i guess but like it was wide enough that like i'd start on one end and my dad would be way at the other end he would intentionally throw it like the opposite direction of where i was standing and i would have to like run over and like jump and dive to catch it and like that was just like a thing that we did to like hang out and i got pretty good at that like
2: baseball was definitely the sport i probably had like the most aptitude for as a kid Dang, that's awesome. Yeah. You got to, the ultimate test, you got to go to a Yankees Blue Jays game and catch a ball barehanded. Yeah. And Be your dad
0: proud. I think what happens if I do that is, you ever see Highlander? No. Wherever no. my dad is, like, he'll get struck by lightning and I'll, like, subsume <laughs> all of his powers. <laughs> you got to do it then. Like, the quickening.
2: <laughs> and then you got to pass it off to a, a very lucky kid to, uh, Fulfill his destiny. Keep the cycle,
0: and then he'll kill me one day.
2: That's right, but <laughs> that's the
0: circle of life. It's so the way it
2: goes. You got to go out on your back, like Ric Flair.
0: <laughs> you got to go out being
2: seventy-eight years old and like bleeding in a wrestling ring. Yeah, like Rick I, think, I think Ric Flair actually won his last match. So, yeah, fuck that guy.
0: I think Ric Flair wants to die in the ring, and
2: he's certainly trying. <laughs> he wants to die in the ring, but he wants to die while doing the pin. He's not going to lose. <laughs> he wants the corpse on top of a dude. And
0: then the ref gives him a rapid three count, like a bullshit three. count, And then he just got dead weight on top of like, who's a f- prominent wrestler right now. Uh, Austin theory. Austin. Theory. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I was trying to think. Oh, I can only think of AEW people. So I had to think a little harder. Um, rick flair's dead body on top of cm punk in the ring um anyway none of this has anything to do with the Saint lot too so what i'm gonna ask liam
2: you're the guy so you're gonna set the tone here what'd you think about the Saint lot too this movie has been disappointing me my entire damn life i'll tell you that i uh so this is is not a first viewing no no no. i've probably seen this movie i just assumed it was i don't know why (laughs) No, no, no. But, uh, the
0: VHS, obviously. Hello?
2: Yeah, the VHS. I watch, I've i seen it again as an adult. Like I had that Sandlot fan friend over a couple years ago. We watched both of them. Um, a couple years before that, I did the whole franchise run-through where I also saw the third one. Um, You're so good at keeping secrets when you pick movies. I love these <laughs> reveals. Well, I didn't know this one was a secret, but... Um... Yeah, I'll gladly, I'll gladly blow your mind uh, whenever I can. Um, yeah, when I saw this movie even back in two thousand five, I thought this was such a disappointment. Um, and I was, I was old enough. Uh, sorry, I was young enough at that point to still like not totally understand movies. Like some stuff came up while watching this movie as a kid that I just didn't understand at all. You know, like I, I had that. The, the sort of kid understanding of a film. I'll tell you a couple examples. Like One, when David keeps hitting the foul ball, and it's going in all sorts of directions, and it's smashing shit at the dugout. As a kid, I thought that he was intentionally doing that to destroy the girl's <laughs> dugout. He does um, seem like he would do that, though. Yeah, so maybe that was me actually being really smart and mature and much more clever than the screenwriters. I also thought that um, because Smalls says that um, the the, the what do they call him? The Red Rocket Kid. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The the kid who wears the rocket cape, who who got bit by this dog. He says that, you know, um, some say his parents what was that just moved David? away. That's right. That's right. But when he's telling the story, he says some say that the kid's parents moved away and the kid never spoke again. And so I thought the reveal that it was was that it was going to be the deaf kid. I thought that's why he couldn't speak. Um, And of course, that doesn't happen either. So I just, I still had that sort of childlike understanding of uh, movies where just some things just read in strange ways to me. Um, But I was just uh, the movie just doesn't have the same magic that the first one does either on screen or between the lines um and my feelings really haven't changed ever since i was nine years old i think i kind of had it figured out at that point um re this movie i i i like that it it still occasionally makes me think of um still occasionally makes me think of those uh, summers with kids. And I think there are a few scenes in this movie where um, I I can get that kind of uh, iconography that the first movie has where I'm like, that could be a really, uh, a, a scene that that would f- be more lauded if it were in a, uh, a better movie. And, I don't mean that just in by itself that scene is sick but I mean that like some scenes are much better than other scenes in the movie but I think it the, the movie just totally stumbles into that I think the biggest mistake that this movie does is that it is um redoing remaking scenes from the original but it's doing it in this really short-handed way um and so this movie isn't really about anything like that meandering plot is basically what the movie is um the movie takes a long time to figure out what it's about and i think by the end it's not really about much um and it occasionally just does these weird like it feels like a parody of the first movie. Like the kissing scene would be that, or the scene where the retriever gets launched over the fence or having to retrieve the rocket from, from the backyard. All of this feels super tangential. Um, it just, it it totally feels like a slapped together script. I think the movie is at its best when it's not doing what the original did. Um, like, uh, I think the whole movie should have centered far more on uh, Haley moving in next door. And this idea that these these boys and these girls are, are learning to uh, hang out together for the first time and play baseball together. I think that is the crux of the movie. And I think that basically every time it strays from that um, and just brings other stuff into the movie it feels uh really disjointed and confusing um and as a kid it just felt like a ripoff of the first movie it's it's another instance of i don't know how this was directed and written by the same guy who did the first one i think it's just he um took for granted what he did with the first one and took for granted that lightning can't really strike twice like that um And so I think this movie is uh, a pale imitation of the first film. I think it is just meant to mindlessly entertain kids. I think any semblance of um, grandiose that the movie occasionally hints at um, is just uh, totally like... um, it's just a ripoff of the first movie without putting in any of the work. Like the amount of times that the adult narrator here says that, like, this was the greatest summer of my life, and me and Haley and David were so connected, and there was a a force that would change us forever. Yeah. And I, then we never just, really see them connect until the movie decides they've connected. Like, exa- exactly right. So I think yeah. I think this movie is a big letdown. Um I think it's an okay kids movie in terms of just entertaining your kids. Like I've seen this movie a lot. Um, so that means that as a kid, at some points, I was choosing to put it on instead of the original Sandlot. But I think it doesn't hold a torch to that movie. Um, and uh, it's kind of that's kind of disappointing, but also like, what can you expect? I mean, there's only so many movies out there like that. Why do you think
0: the original guy Decided that he needed to do this Because the one other thing that I did see When uh, I was reading about it as well Was people just being like What would prompt the guy who made the Sandlot To essentially remake the Sandlot But worse
2: I think it is a um, Inflated Uh sense of self i think it's a, a some nostalgia coming in i think it might be a bit of greed i think by the time 2005 hits uh, we've moved on far from the early 90s the, the the kids were totally different by then um and the internet was a thing and so there yeah, would they be were people on scooties. the internet yeah, there would be people on the internet talking about how Sandlot was a huge movie. All those, the kids who were in the original Sandlot grew up. The kids who saw the original Sandlot grew up. So I'm sure that he was hearing time and time again that the Sandlot was a, a massive, important movie. Um, and it was. And so I think that instead of being like... Uh, thanks I'm glad to have put something out out there like that and and that should be enough I think he just thought that he could he could do it again um and that I think it's it's sort of a, a cash-in even on the dvd box here I know the the director and writer w- might not likely didn't write this tagline but on the dvd box it says relive the magic of the original sandlot so I think it's just another thing to put in stores that has the that's word "Sandlot" in it. the sandlot that's right yeah I think it's, it's it's just something to put out there um, to uh, try to get a bit more money. And besides that, just like I'm sure it was fun making the Sandlot, he he would have wanted to do it again. Meet some more kids, construct this movie. Making a movie is fun, but I think uh, it it just. Um it didn't it didn't come together right and the reason i say that it wouldn't surprise me if he wrote this book and it was called like i'm the guy who directed the sandlot <laughs> is that like he still is just like he he's giving interviews about the sandlot um, constantly, there's news that like there's gonna be either a third, a fourth movie, or uh, a prequel, or an original series on Disney Plus, and I don't blame him. Like it's it's awesome to put out something that is that revered, and I would still want to talk about it decades later. But I don't think that that means that we need to uh, try to do the same thing again. I mean, I get I get the uh, the motivation for it, the temptation for it, but. um I think uh, in, in this case it it just doesn't quite work out.
0: Yeah, it's something we've seen before, right? Like people just going like, "Yeah, I can do that again." Um, Mitch, you've implied to me how you feel about this movie. Uh, so, how about we just get out there with it? What would you What would you think? I didn't imply. I spoke pretty explicitly about it at work.
1: It's it's no Inspector Gadget, too. Yeah, I really hate this movie um
0: (laughs) i thought that was all you were gonna say
1: (laughs) i yeah i'm sorry i mean that's all like i don't have the nostalgia that you do um i found it really difficult to enjoy i found that every single bit or joke is drawn out in a story that already kind of needlessly draws itself out you were talking about pacing and that's one of the issues that you have with it and i i think that that's definitely one of the biggest ones that i have but they don't hit one foul ball they hit 30 in a time lapse something that a kid might you know appreciate to like some sort of overemphasis on how long something is taking the same way with the kid walking back and forth and the sped up footage um i didn't think it was really funny i didn't think that it really reminded me of being a kid that much um either it felt like it was made by somebody kind of remembering what it's like to be a kid. But I, I, and again, I played baseball as a kid and like did all these things and I didn't really, I stole well, rockets and I, <laughs> I didn't feel it. I honestly, I think this is one of the worst I've seen on the show. I really didn't like this movie. I think I might've been in a bad headspace cause I was like tired I didn't really want to watch it, and I did, and I I elongated my viewing because I got hungry halfway through, and then came back, thought I'd be in a better mood. Wasn't. What did you um, eat? I made like I made pasta, but uh, so
0: what we've learned at the minimum is don't eat pasta while you're watching The Sandlot too, because it might make it worse. Might make it worse. But uh, no, I,
1: I couldn't do this movie. And by the time it reached its sort of second act, I didn't really care for any of the story arcs. It, it, 30 minutes in and you maybe get like your first glimpse of, of baseball. And uh, it takes a long time to set up like these narrative points that are abundantly obvious from the first glance. It's It's a really clumsy script. I think it's a script that's maybe... <sighs> for what it is i think it might be like 30 minutes too long um
0: it's an hour and 40
1: minutes and it's 30 minutes too long 30 minutes
0: too long um
1: yeah i i thought that all the action and the drama and everything was heightened to a point that i just couldn't take and i to be honest near the end of the movie i had kind of checked out and i didn't really care about any of the characters because i don't have that nostalgia and it's weird coming at it from a midsection trying to care about these movies with the sort of A clumsy writing i don't think that it does like a really good sort of throwback to the 70s either i think there's movies that do that much better and handle sort of that period piece material better like i think like the although like the brady bunch movies aren't set in the 70s they they
0: they evoke it very well they
1: evoke it much better than these movies do this movie like for example the one character whose wife is like inspired by Woman's Lib, and he's just and she doesn't want That's to such use a bizarre like any, angle, any gendered terms of endearment, uh, like that whole bit is just so fucking dumb, um, and it's just completely I think out of touch and feels dated, even though it's trying to evoke the seventies. I I really didn't like this movie. I didn't think any of the kids were that great. I mean, it's not fair to really criticize child actors that much, but I, I just wasn't taken with any of them. And uh, yeah, just not a movie for me. I really didn't enjoy this at all. I was really glad when it was over. But when it was over, it was like 930 and I had to go to bed. And then I was like, fuck, spent my whole night watching Sandlot
0: 2. I dream of Sandlot 2.
1: Yeah. So it was a bad experience for me. Um, and I'm trying to think of things that I like or things that made me laugh. And that one kid, The Retriever, I think that fits <laughs> great um the kid who retrieves dog tags off of dogs and like he's a a pro and he comes back i'm retiring that's one example of kind of a drawn out bit in the movie that i actually did really like like this movie is full of just pointless interludes but that's one that i think is good Mm -hmm. um so not really for me
2: i don't blame you bro i uh I, I i agree with everything you said really i'm just i think i'm just more forgiving of it because i've seen it enough right. um so i know what to expect and i can also because i know that i don't like it i can like gleam i can try to work to get a bit of positives out there there's and, a and-
1: nostalgia there too right where you can kind of be like these are familiar characters i know them and mm-hmm. I'm, i don't necessarily have the same uh ties to the, to the franchise as you
2: yeah, yeah. Um and even then like I have hated uh the kid who plays Smalls in this movie, Johnny Smalls. I've hated that kid from day one. I, yeah. I can't I can't stand the 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 lines he's given, it's just like his characterization. Oh, I just want to punt him down a hill. Um- <laughs> he's
0: definitely a whiny kid, but I also think they're like leaning into that weirdly a lot. <laughs> Like they didn't need to make him as yeah,
2: really weirdly yeah. yeah. And I I don't think uh, the the David character has um really any charisma um doesn't have much of anything to do. He's you just a really vacant character trying to be cool, right? Um, and as a result, I
1: think you don't get much of a character. And that whole love angle in it is telegraphed for such a long time, and it's it's just stupid. Um, Oh yeah and the payoff is
2: terrible with the narration the fact that we have an adult delivering these terrible narrated lines where it's like just a reminder that yeah this was we know this was written by an adult Like the the excuse can't be given that like maybe the kids did something wrong it's like no the adult it might be doing the worst of it the narration bothers me so much of this movie
0: at at the beginning of the movie because the font that we get as well and the narration and the tone of his voice is so family Mm -hmm. movie of this era but it manages to be like the
2: worst iteration of all of those aspects of a family movie of this era and it's a shame too because it's that's the voice of the director and he is the narrator (laughs) in the first movie (laughs) so in that sense i'm hearing it and i'm like this is a familiar cozy tone i like the sound of it i'm ready for him to spit some knowledge like he does in the first movie and then the words he's saying are just terrible and i'm like how is this dude uh giving us this this material when he did the first one and uh they actually it had some tact to it it's just awful sure Corey. i mean y'all have said anything
0: i was going to say so i'm actually going to say one thing that i i want to give the movie credit for um after just giving the the same consensus of, yeah, this movie's bad, and I didn't like it, and I didn't enjoy watching it, and uh, certainly through a lack of nostalgia, but also just a lack of quality in the film, this was not going to work for me. But as with the original Sandlot, I do think there are moments here that do evoke or at least gesture at evoking how inconsequential or normal things seem gigantic and mythical and absurd and very important when you're a kid. But right. I feel like it's not executing on those things very well, but there is a feeling of that here and that's obviously the goal as much as this is a movie about baseball. It's really not about baseball. It's mostly about that and you that's know I, I can see that like we're talking about this movie like it's a movie about baseball and, and like at the very beginning, I was sort of in awe of the degree to which this movie's not about baseball. And um,
2: and, and the character Smalls, he says right at the beginning um, that this summer, uh, you know, we we all learned a lesson and it had nothing to do with baseball. They yeah, I was up like, This, like, is gonna be, <laughs> this isn't going to be much of a baseball movie. And The Sandlot has more baseball in it, but like I was saying, I think um, that one is also... Not as much of a baseball movie as you would expect because it doesn't follow the same trajectory of a typical sports movie of they're like gearing up to play a game. They need to win some sort of game. There's a rival team. That stuff isn't isn't really in there, but there you can tell Why in the first rival one that the kids movie at all? love like. baseball because there is a rival team in the first movie um that they have a verbal altercation with and then they actually do play that team in a in a game of baseball so that that's a, that's an instance of like yeah remake self
0: cannibalization
2: yes
0: yeah um I, it is funny the kid on the good or like not the good team but the rich team um is such a delightful piece of shit <laughs> like, i thought that that he's is, by far that, the
2: best actor in the movie kid is
0: evil man <laughs> yeah the kid's such an asshole <laughs>
2: Man, yeah, that kid's I, great. Um, I think m- I think he's a great actor, and I think the best line in the movie comes from that scene. It's not from the kid himself; it's from uh, his uncle, who is the coach of the team. And maybe this is an ice cream man reference to the the movie that this this guy was in, because. Uh, um, the smalls and david's team show up and then the the kid from this professional team he says like hold on a second coach and the coach says that's what you said last time and then i had to wait around (laughs) while you cussed out the ice cream man
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) i love that image that's funny yeah um yeah like there's moments in this movie where some stuff clicks but like i don't know i didn't need the drawn out great escape bit i didn't need like there's just i didn't need the fireworks bit could live with it like there's just meandering is a perfect word for it and it makes it difficult to like talk about because if it doesn't click very well when it's so blasé about its own narrative and presentation like what it's doing it makes it hard to remember and i just watched it and i'm already like i don't know yeah i mean to, to <laughs> me
1: the three Musketeers seems more coherent than this, and it's a I remember of more shorts. about the Three It's a collection of shorts edited together, right? Uh, th- this just seems like a poorly written script, an ill-disciplined script that I think needed more time on the operating table.
2: Absolutely, I think that um, this movie it it feels like uh, it's a collection of vignettes that. Occasionally drifts into being a story, you know. When that rocket thing happened, I was like, "Oh, I guess maybe this is gonna be the plot of the movie." But we're half hour into the movie, um, whereas the original, I think, is a story first that then drifts into these vignettes. So it it does the opposite thing, and I think the construction here is a huge miss. And I think it comes from wanting to recreate the magic of that first movie. Like it's almost like a a weird commentary on um, on why the first movie is good and why it is it is then bad to look back at your past in such an oversimplified way because it's trying to reclaim the magic of the first movie and so this movie can't be its own movie and it can't be its own story because it keeps needing to wander into these shoddy remade scenes of stuff from the first movie and so that's why it, it feels to me so meandering and pointless and forgettable is because most of the scenes here feel like they're out of place it feels like the director wrote down you know what do people always tell me they love about the first movie what are some great scenes that people reference i I'll write out kind of what was in those scenes, and then I'll make sure that The Sandlot 2 gets to those places. And in between, I guess I'll, I'll have to have a bit of original story um, with this girl team coming in and stuff. But really, I just need to make sure I hit those greatest hits so that people will be like, oh, that makes me kind of think of the first movie. Yeah,
0: um, and I it, think it's, it's
2: a huge miss. It does feel...
0: It almost makes me a little bit sad that it's the same guy because it is such a hollow imitation of itself that it's like how did this happen uh slc
2: punk 2 vibes
0: it feels a lot like that actually now that you've said it there's there's a lot of parallels i think just in the i'm not sure i agree well but like if we gesture at the existing thing that means we're as good as the existing thing fair and i don't and i think the thought process is the same um like this movie doesn't even do a good job of establishing why the sandlot matters. Like, it's got lore, but I know I don't want to take too too lighted baseball framing, but it's like there are other fucking baseball diamonds. If you really want to play baseball that bad and you don't want to argue with these girls who you don't like, I know there's no movie there, but wouldn't you realistically just go play baseball somewhere else and not just have it tra- and not have a transformative summer?
2: Like You gotta have a transformative summer. Yeah, I guess you're right. But yeah, I don't know.
0: I I feel like, yeah, this movie never clicks in the way that makes you want to connect with it. And if you even were to get there, there's not a lot to connect with.
2: Yeah, I think um, just even at its core, this movie is just a a poorly written movie. Like, there's stuff like um, when... Halfway through the movie, we have um, David telling Smalls that a ball has never gone over that junk wall before. No one's ever managed and to clear it. Immediately it. does, and and Smalls is like, "Oh, never! Wow!" And then the next scene, it does. Okay, that's that's cool. You've set up nothing ever goes over it. Now something goes over it, but then no,
0: so you're cheating. You can't play baseball. With a but fucking the movie a doesn't like really
1: structure itself well. It's just like okay, one scene, and then we're gonna follow it up immediately. To the next one. It doesn't
2: give you like a, a delayed bomb really. No, no. Really. that that's true. And the characters, they don't make sense at all. They, ch- they also change from scene to scene because when that ball goes over the wall and the kids go to get it, you have Smalls running up to them and telling them, you can't go over there. You can't get this ball because I know this story about this dog and this kid. But in the scene previous, it seemed like it was news to Smalls that a ball had never gone over there. You would think at that point he'd be like, oh yeah, uh, it's a good thing a ball hasn't gone over there because there's a fucking killer dog over there. Because there's but,
0: something called like the hate or the rage or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, but he,
2: but he doesn't But he doesn't bring it up until the scene happens that mimics the first movie where something goes over the wall and then he has to be the one to tell this story. I don't know why they gave that to him. And an, another example of... Um, this thing having uh, just bad writing is like when he launches the rocket into the air by accident, this NASA rocket. And um, then he runs into Haley and she tells him that his, her dad is going to be on TV. Um, I think she says he's going to be on the TV tomorrow. Yes. And, and she says he's going to be on TV tomorrow. We cut to him on TV telling about this rocket Then Smalls goes outside and the rocket is then falling and landing in the yard. And I just don't buy that like this rocket has gone up, chilled out for 24 hours and then come back and landed right in the backyard beside it. That seems like weird structuring to me. Yep. It ain't good. I also don't like how a lot of the action takes place in Haley's backyard once they've started doing the great escape thing of trying to get this rocket from the other from the other yard. They're doing it from Haley's backyard instead of the sandlot, which just seems really strange yeah. to me, like they couldn't get back to the sandlot set or something. And it just robs it a bit of that. Uh, that Well, and the way they talk about her yard in
0: connection to the sandlot makes it like... It's as if they bought that house and the family didn't know that the sandlot was there. Yeah, but but her but she's also on a softball team. But she also wants to keep the sandlot for herself.
2: But yeah, it's it that dog don't hunt, dude. And I don't like how David are you know you could say he's like one of maybe three main characters or something. (laughs) He disappears for the whole third act because like he's not down with dogs, and then he shows up um, to do to do his great dog thing. And I just think that is also bad writing. I think that the David character needs way more. way more to do we need to understand him more in the original sandlot we have a moment where the david analog his name is benny in in that movie and he feels defeated and he feels like he's not going to be able to retrieve um what is a babe ruth autographed baseball from from this yard and he uh wakes up in the middle of the night to realize that the ghost of babe ruth is in his room and the ghost Babe Ruth talks to him and like kind of gives him a pep talk about what he needs to do and um, and how he can uh, be inspired by Babe Ruth because legends never die and um, and that's what gives Benny the motivation to to go retrieve the thing over the the, the yard. I think the original movie just feels much more organic that they wanted to tell this story. And then they found all the places that the story can naturally go as they were writing it out. But this movie is like reverse engineered to be a movie that is self referential to the, the initial work of the director. It's it's the worst kind of one of these. But I'm with Mitch. I I got a kick out of the retriever too. I think that's one of the few scenes where, when the movie is doing its own thing, um, I think it's cool. There's not a retriever character in the first movie, and I I like it. He's just like a kind of a weird looking kid as well. Um, yeah, it's just like good casting. I don't know. It's just very strange.
1: Yeah, he almost gives like a Cronenberg esque <laughs> performance. <laughs> yeah you know this weird stilted quality
2: totally
0: yeah put that kid in crimes of the future
2: yeah and you've got him like lurking in a, a couple scenes throughout the movie where like you could he's just like watching the kids um and it's just a really again weird setup and payoff where it's like there should have been some editing where like you figure out what the main scenes in your movie are, and, oh, yeah. and you're not just stumbling around because by the time the retriever ends up showing up, you're like, Oh, yeah, I guess I have seen him a couple times. Uh huh. Very true. The retriever. I retrieve things.
1: That's your name in the Zencaster conversation. I'm Mac.
2: You're Mac. What did you think about Mac?
1: Uh, he's alright, he's not really my favorite <laughs> jokes really land whatever
0: uh, he's alright like why he, is he your namesake?
1: because uh, he's the only character I could think of but I do like the scene where uh, he is like, I need to he has an epiphany, but Mac didn't like to use that word because it was girly, like that's just like I don't like that joke because that's fucking dumb and that's just like what a lot of the humor is it's just kind of like a boys rule girls it's a very yeah like Mm -hmm. boys versus girls Mm -hmm.
0: except it doesn't want to be boys versus girls like it's very odd
1: yeah it's yeah but i like the scene where he he's riding on his bike and he's like i need to think i need to think and then he sees the poster of the great escape that's like one of the few things that made me smile and brought me joy
2: through what was otherwise a joyless viewing yeah, that made me think of you. You see, like Steve McQueen's name on the poster and stuff. Um, yeah,
1: there's also like a reference to uh, Full Metal Jacket, and as far as I know, that movie came out
0: in 1987, and this movie's set in 1972. So there's also, it's- sorry, really quick, you just reminded me of a note that I feel like I need to read. Um, why, why? Okay, why? why so at the end of the movie uh everybody turns into ghosts and disappears but we find out what happened to their lives right yes which, yeah, which i'm assuming they do in the, the original same does it, yeah. yeah why are you telling me that this child got sent to like operation desert storm and got like wounded in a war <laughs> He got hurt in the fucking Gulf War. I don't want to know that like the U.S. military machine sent this child who would have been like 18 or like 20 or something to the fucking Gulf War. <laughs> don't tell me that. And don't try to valorize. like What are you talking about? <laughs> what the fuck? Why did you make this kid go to the Gulf War? He didn't have to. You could have said anything you wanted. <laughs>
2: could have said he got abducted by aliens you could have said that or you could have said that that one pissed uh, me off more
0: or what how did you feel about the mom valor of just like we have so little way to characterize these two girls that we're just gonna say they were moms
2: yeah, I I think that's it's that's pretty lame. It's it, so fucking lame. I think it's it's really lame, especially because like occasionally this movie hints at like this movie is going to be more inclusive. I mean, the first movie is just a bunch of boys, um, except for an older woman who gets kissed, and uh, yeah. I, I like the I like the introduction of the girls, but then I think there are scenes that just totally cut it down. I mean, like you guys said with the epiphany thing, and um, and just the fact that the focus is not on that dynamic as much as it should be is that the full metal jacket reference mitch the thing that Corey said
1: he says he calls uh, at one point uh mac gets called grover pile which is the main character of full metal jacket it's when he's arguing oh yeah would the, the, the be baseball. hilarious it got it from the sandlot yeah grover pile that's the guy who uh who shoots the drill sergeant and then himself in the bathroom and then right the up- yeah yeah Vincent You'd D'Onofrio, recognize I think. Yeah. yeah.
0: Vincent D'Onofrio, yeah. Yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio. I just met D'Onofrio. Anyway, I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't like this movie, man. That yeah, dugout did right. look comfortable, though, when they redesigned it. That was kind of neato.
2: Yeah, it looks kind of fun
0: in there. Yeah,
2: yeah and, I, and I liked the scene where they're all like complimenting the dugout and and david is just being too uptight like that's your movie i think just do more things like that stop trying to repeat what the first movie did that's unique it gives them all a bit of characterization you've got your friends who are much more easy going
0: because it's for girls or something like
2: yeah i'm down and then i also quite like the scene where um mac gets challenged uh to hit Haley's softball and he blinks and he misses it and he like gets really mad about it, and he stomps over to his friends, asks them what happened, tries to fight his way out of it. Um, basically, realizes that he got bested, and even when he tries to bring up that it's technically illegal to throw underhand, and then they tell him it's not illegal, and he just like. Totally acquiesces. I think that is a a really cool scene that feels that feels like a real kid to me. Mac, who like who just got he got done, he has his pride. He's trying to fight for it, um, but he also like is is learning that uh he's not always right. I think that's a, that's a good scene, and I think it plays on the uh, girl boy dynamic uh, really well, um, and is a good bonding moment and. The movie just doesn't have enough stuff like that, because then right after that, you get like the kissing booth scene and it's and we get the uh, um, the insult scene with uh, Singleton. It, like, it's it's just uh, really disappointing that the, the movie does that over and over, which is why my memory is that the third movie is much better. The third movie starring Luke Perry, because that one is a very different format, and it actually tries something different and um, ends up yeah, being he plays a talking off for baseball, right? That's right.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'll call that Three Strikes. You're out on the same lot, too.
2: Big time. It's a shame that you guys um, don't find it more memorable. I think you're totally right to feel that way. I'm in the same boat, but it's a shame because, like, this movie is trying so hard to be memorable. It has uh, little hints and straight-up rips from the first movie stuff that is memorable, like this this dog that is supposedly so monstrous, this dog chase, a boy kissing an older woman, um, trying to retrieve this ball or this item from the other side of the fence. Like that's all stuff from the first movie that is very memorable. The fireworks scene. Um, but it it just goes to show again, even more so than Gus Van Sant's psycho. I think people need to look for different movies to hold up as to like why remakes are bad when it comes to, uh, gus van sant psycho i think this movie is much more telling yeah this movie is much more telling that uh what's special about a movie often um cannot be duplicated um and i would be very interested to hear what you guys think about the original sandlot if ever you give another viewing or a first viewing in, in Corey's case
0: yeah we should sandlot it up sometime
2: i got it on vhs
0: there we go do you have a vcr
2: no not here that would be sick okay.
0: we should i feel like tmao should really invest in a vcr i feel like we'd get a lot of like use out of that given what we cover we could track some of them down some like real deal screenings that would be on fun some tapes that would be gnarly that
2: would be fun we watch some vhs exclusives yeah never ball, been released to dvd that would be so good If anyone has a stray VHS player that they can get rid of, um, we'll pay you. We would would love to have it if you want to ship it.
0: If you want to give us money on Patreon that we don't have, we'll use it to pay for
2: your VCR. (laughs) That's right, yeah.
0: That's the deal. Um, So we're not going to watch The Sandlot next week. Uh, That's up to Mitch. Well, yeah, we'll see. Well, okay, you're right. We're not going to do it for the podcast.
2: Well, we could could watch Ah, Sandlot 3. It is my choice. Sandlot 3, Mitch. No. Inspector Gadget 3, Mitch. Is is this the
1: point where I I say what I want to do? Are we done? Yeah. Okay. I would like to watch The Talented Mr. Ripley. We talked about it a week ago, I think. And then I was like, damn, that's a really good movie. You should watch that. Sick. So, yeah. That's what we're going to do. Easy. It exists within like sort of a, a, a series of books that were written by Patricia Highsmith, who was not a great person, but a pretty interesting writer. And um, she, uh, it, it's, it's an, in, they're an interesting franchise. And you've got like uh, Purple Noon with Alan Delon from the 60s, which sort of covers the same territory. Then you also have uh, uh, Ripley's Game from, I think, the 90s with uh, John Malkovich. And uh, it's directed by Liliana Calvani, who's a very unusual d- director. But we're going to do the talented Mr. Ripley first
0: a big hitter a famous film yeah a film i've never seen it's a fun movie i there's a lot to like about it i'll be the judge of that okay (laughs) okay all right
1: judge swing the gavel
0: (laughs) so am i a judge or am i the police now or am i not the police uh well You'll
1: see the judge pretty soon, but that's I'll, for contractual I'll, reasons where I find out I'm not being paid for the monetization of this production.
0: Well, you never asked.
1: I shouldn't have to.
0: Yeah. Well, mean... <laughs> uh, okay. So, talented Mr. Ripley is that? Um, that's, is Matt Damon in that? It's
1: Matt Damon, Jude Law, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, the I boys. Think, I think Kate Blanchett. Maybe Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, also Philip Baker Hall.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yeah, dude, <laughs> it goes hard. Um,
0: <laughs> That's my guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's quite a movie. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, who's who? the hell directed it? Somebody I'm not familiar with. I'm not going to pronounce the name right now. David Mickey I Evans. <laughs>
0: Man, Philip Baker Hall is fucking awesome.
1: I fucking love Philip Baker I don't, Hall. I don't think Secret I know Honor. Philip
0: Baker Hall. <laughs> um, Secret Honor, sick, Heart eight. Sick. Yeah,
1: Heart eight rules. So he's what a least. fucking performance! Yeah, oh my god.
0: I what would him. Liam maybe know? Really quick. That's oh, curious. it says
2: he's in the Truman Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is this Boogie Nights?
0: He's in Rush Hour One. Is he? That's news to me. He, he shows in, up
1: all over the place. He's kind of one of those distinct character actors. You had the sort of clout to carry a whole show if you needed to. In fact, Secret Honor is a one man show where it's just him and it's mesmerizing. But uh,
2: yeah, we we'll Rush about Hour Two and Rush Hour Three. I'm learning <laughs> here. He's also Joe Bookman in Seinfeld, which is an amazing yeah. role.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I like him. Um. So. Talented Mr. Ripley. So, the talented Mitch Kodrowski, quick question for you. Fire away. Um, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh,
1: the sandlot! Foul ball!
0: But it sound like he sort of sounded like he was sinking into like a quicksand?
2: What if the sandlot was made of quicksand? I feel like that's a question that needlessly goes unanswered. It's a shame we weren't born a few years earlier. We might know how to get out of quicksand. They, they stopped teaching us. We just missed the uh this the quicksand wave. Um see Liam, episode you, of The Vanishing for reference.
0: See episode of The Vanishing for reference. Uh Liam, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Well,
2: I got a film writing Alter Ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow. You can see what I occasionally tweet, and you can see what I rate every movie I watch if you look up Graham the Mallow on Twitter or Letterboxd. It's true. He wouldn't say it if it wasn't true, people. You can find it. Haven't lied in two years. It's true.
0: Uh you can find me on Twitter and letterbox that Mr. Cory Price. You can listen to the two other shows I do. In fact, if you want to find all of the shows that I'm on, uh you can go to mortalcombatconquest.ca. Oh, I thought it was gonna be <laughs> Corey.ca, but that's cool no. too. You can go to mortalcombatconquest.ca and you will find links to um this show, MK Podcast, which I do with our friend Neil, which is about all sorts of uh, Mortal Kombat Ephemera, and occasionally just other fighting games, like the cartoons and comics and TV shows that came of that. Strat Two with my friend Callum is there as well. If you want to hear people talk about F One, and uh, that has all been <laughs> condensed into uh the world's greatest uh URL again. That is mortalcombatconquest.ca. Um. Thank you again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast.gmail.com at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and what you think you need to do to escape quicksand. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find it on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And with all that out of the way, we will catch you here next week for the talented Mister Ripley. On, they made another one.